This is In Perspective with Bob Branco and Peter Auchul. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. Glad to be here today with everybody. This is episode number 259. I'm very pleased, as always, to have with us Peter Auchul, my friend and colleague. Peter, what's going on today? How are you? Well, it's getting ready for Memorial Day weekend, and as happens in Missouri, in Columbia, Missouri, it, it begins to get hot. So we're going to get back in the, into the upper 80s and low 90s by Sunday or Monday, and I'm not a fan of summer, so I'm not really thrilled, but it is a good weekend, and we hope that all of you have a great weekend. Thank you very much, Peter. Before we continue, let me thank those people who make it possible for In Perspective to be made available to the general public, and I'm including in that list Raymond Gay, our producer, Tom and Lynn from the Rosie's Place chat line, our media outlets, and Jacqueline Sylvia from JS Web Solutions, who is my website designer. She archives our In Perspective podcasts on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. All you have to do is go to that site, Arrow down until you get to Win Perspective Podcasts, click on those, and you will get to see all of our archives from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie, and thank you. Thanks to all of you who make us sound better than we actually do. Back when Peter and I were children, audio descriptive services were not necessarily available for the blind. We just took whatever happened uh, as it was, and we tried to follow up on everything that was described on television. But then there was the adoption of audio description, not only on television, but in other aspects. And of course, that really helped the blind population a great deal. Today, we're going to have one of our pioneers of audio description on In Perspective. I'm very pleased to welcome to the program, Joel Schneider, PhD. Joel, Thank yes, you for taking the t- thanks for taking the time to be with us on In Perspective. I absolutely am a fa- I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and I'm honored to be with you. Well, in return, Joel, I'm a big fan of audio description. I'm very glad <laughs> it exists. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, so tell we, us how you got involved with audio description. Actually, be, be, before we do that, Joel, what what is audio description? Well, that's a good question, um, and it's um, a phrase that. Uh, I try to promote uh, to indicate what it is we do, which is a translation of visual images into words. Uh, Basically, trained audio describers who know how to look at images, what is it about that image that's most critical? How to use words most vividly to convey that image and then using your voice to do so. So that's basically what it's all about. I say audio description because, you know, it's been around as a formal service for just over 40 years now. Uh, But uh, you'll hear people talk about, uh, oh, described video or DVS or audio narration or verbal description or audio narration or what what have you. And I always in fact, I I helped uh, the FCC uh, decide finally this past year or two that uh, they would stop saying video description and call it audio description. It really is, you know, it is somewhat underknown still. And uh, if we have 12 different names for it, I think that makes things even more complex. (laughs) And one thing that I've noticed, Joel, is that on many of the 
television programs that we used to watch, including a lot of the sitcoms, they are now available through audio description. That's right. Yeah. And not only that, not only that, but on on some of the movie screens in movie theaters, they oh, now yeah. have a audio description and you can obtain a device at your local movie theater, which allows you to hear it. That's right. You're absolutely right. That's um, fairly ubiquitous now, at least with respect to digital uh, projection in movie theaters. And most theaters are digitally projected now. Um, you know, it depends on your community and and how sensitive they are to accessibility needs. But about 10 years ago, uh, there was a challenge under the Americans with Disabilities Act that basically said, you know, um, Movie theaters, uh, well, they're accessible as in uh, a person who uses a wheelchair can get in. But what about programmatic accessibility? If you're deaf, if you're blind, you're out of luck. And um, that uh, caught the attention of the folks in Hollywood. They realized that in order for the movie theaters to be accessible, they're going to have to add audio description tracks. They're going to have to make sure captions are always available. And now almost 100% of commercially produced film in the United States has an audio description track that uh, should be accessible in your movie theater, like you say, by uh, using a device that the movie theater will provide. Uh, sometimes there are problems with that because, um, you know, movie theaters, uh, I think the staff or movie theaters turns over every couple of weeks or something. They need a lot of training. They need to maintain the devices. So sometimes there's problems with that. Um, but I will mention um, On the Rise is an app for folks who have smartphones. It's put out by Spectrum Communications, which is part of Charter. Um, it's called Spectrum Access. And you can actually download this app to your smartphone. And then um, they have a selection of movies where they maintain the audio description track in the cloud. And you know you're going to go to the movies to see, oh, what have you, Goodfellas. I'm thinking about that because we lost Ray Liotta uh, just uh, this, this past week. But you want to hear, you want to experience Goodfellas. Well, you see if Spectrum has the audio description track available. If they do, you can download it to that app. And that app listens to the original audio track in the movie theater or even in your home and automatically syncs the description. So you don't have to worry about did the movie theater maintain the equipment or using somebody else's earbud or whatever. Uh, you can use it at home uh, with streamed movies, if you will. So and that's that's growing. And I, I think that's going to take off. And hopefully that'll be the kind of the state of the art uh, over the next 10 years. The actor that you were referring to that was in Goodfellas was also in Field of Dreams. That's right. Yes. He played Shoeless, he played Shoeless Joe Jackson. No. Yes, you're absolutely right. So, uh, Joel, uh, we uh, many of us be familiar with audio description or uh, uh, how, 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 whatever name was being used. <laughs> right. It will be used in the future. But um, you, I, I think you have an example of how uh, audio description can be of real value to those of us who can't see the screen. So why don't you set it up and tell us what we're going to listen to? Absolutely. I think that that's a good idea. Yeah, it, it's always best to experience what it is that you're talking about rather than just talk about it. And um, I train describers uh, in the last 40 years now in 
oh golly, 44 some states and over 60 countries where I've spoken on description or produced description, a lot of training of describers. And I oftentimes use a clip from a feature film, The Color of Paradise. Some of you may know it, an Iranian film, golly, about 25 years old now, but it's a beautiful film. And it's got a, a, a sequence in it. Um, it's a professionally done film. It was in movie theaters, on television. It's a, there's a sequence, though, where the original soundtrack um, really has no dialogue for a couple of minutes. And um, I want to play that for you. I want you to experience this as you might have experienced it 20-some years ago in the movie theater. There was no audio description. But you go with your friends to this movie, The Color of Paradise. It's supposed to be wonderful. And you get to this sequence. What do you think about this? No audio description. Everybody listening is blind. Uh, I'm not playing the, the uh, picture here. Obviously, we're on radio. So here you go. This is what you would hear. And um, think about it. Uh, are you getting much out of it or, or not? <laughs> No, Joel, I don't think we're getting anything out of it. Bob. Oh, my goodness. All right. I'm not sure why that's, um, I'm not sure why that's happening. That's so odd. Well, basically, what um, it's just playing through speakers here and um, shouldn't, be a, shouldn't be a problem. You're not hearing that? Yeah, we, we're, we're hearing it. We're hearing it. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> now we're hearing it. I hear birds. Yeah. Hello? Now it goes on like that for a good two and a half minutes, which doesn't seem like that would be very long, but but believe you me, two and a half minutes of birds, and uh, you're probably uh, saying, uh, I'm out of here, I don't get it. Or or maybe you're using your elbow with your colleague there. Uh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And if they try to tell you what's going on in the movie theater, of course, uh, that's going to get you thrown out uh, after a little while. People are not going to appreciate that. So what, um, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Well, this is what I did about 20 years ago when this was broadcast on ABC television. Uh, I wrote and voiced the audio description track for the film. And it, you get up to this sequence and I think it, it makes a lot more sense. Let's see if we can, if we can see by listening. <laughs> Muhammad kneels and pats his hands through the thick round cover of brown curled leaves. A scrawny nestling struggles on the ground near Muhammad's hand. His palm hovers above the baby bird. He lays his hand lightly over the tiny creature. Smiling, Muhammad curls his fingers around the chick and scoops it into his hands. He stands and strokes its nearly featherless head with a fingertip. Muhammad starts as the bird nips his finger. He taps his finger on the chick's gaping beak. He tilts his head back, then drops it forward. 
Muhammad tips the chick into his front shirt pocket. Wrapping his legs and arms around a tree trunk, Muhammad climbs. He latches onto a tangle of thin upper branches. His legs flail for a foothold. Muhammad stretches an arm between a fork in the trunk of the tree and wedges in his head and shoulder. His shoes slip on the rough bark. He wraps his legs around the lower trunk, then uses his arms to pull himself higher. He rises into thicker foliage and holds onto tangles of smaller branches. Gaining his footing, Muhammad stands upright and cocks his head to one side. An adult bird flies from a nearby branch. Muhammad extends his open hand. He touches a branch and runs his fingers over wide green leaves. He pats his hand down the length of the branch. His fingers trace the smooth bark of the upper branches, search the network of connecting tree limbs, and discover their joints. Above his head, Muhammad's fingers find a dense mass of woven twigs, a bird's nest. Smiling, he removes the chick from his shirt pocket and drops it gently into the nest beside another fledgling. He rubs the top of the chick's head with his index finger. Muhammad wiggles his finger like a worm and taps the chick's open beak. Smiling, he slowly lowers his hand. So hopefully that gives you a, a fairly good idea of what uh, audio description can do, the power of description taking a, a period of time that is not making any sense whatsoever and listening to that translation really is what it is of the images to words. It is a remarkable thing, Joel, because I, I went to, used to go to movies when I was in, uh, well, uh, yeah, even when I was a, a kid, the drive-in movie, and then later in high school. And there were lots of those things where you had no idea what was going on, or I had no idea what was going on. And yeah. my solution was to fall asleep. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, just sort of escape from the, uh, you know, from, from the confusion. And well, now, it, it, it just not holding your attention. So no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now, of course, you know, it's, it's a different world. So uh, before I, I want to sort of talk about the history of how this all got started and all that. But before we do that, I just want to emphasize something that you said. So if I want to go to a, a movie, th theoretically, I can, I can call my local movie theater and say, hey, I want to I know you're showing this movie. Do you have the equipment necessary so I can I can listen to the audio description and they should have that correct they should they should and you're wise to call ahead i mean one shouldn't have to do that you should be able to just go to the movie theater like anyone else and uh, simply request the device and you're good to go but it's it makes sense to call ahead uh, uh, so that you don't have any confusion or disappointment and you'll know whether the device is readily available and working Exactly. It gives them a heads up so that they hopefully will check it, make sure batteries are fresh, that everything's in working order. Yeah. So I, I when, when you're mentioning all those uh, synonyms, if you will, for audio description, uh, <laughs> DVS and all this stuff, I remember 
you know, back in the nineties, especially, you know, I go to an ACB convention and for over the period of time, there was a different name that was in, that was in vogue then. DVS was the one thing that was the most popular. Right, right. But but talk about how this whole thing got started. How did you get involved? And when was it? What were you doing and all that? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I I was um, always involved with theater and media and using my voice and singing and that sort of thing, but also uh, studying English and English teacher and theater teacher, that sort of thing. And in the 70s, I began uh, volunteering as a reader at uh, the local radio reading service here in Washington, D.C., the Washington Ear, which was founded by a blind woman, Margaret uh, Rockwell, later Margaret Fanstiel. And, um, you know, it it was about, I'd been doing that for almost 10 years. And during that period, I, one of my assignments was the reading the Washington Post on Sundays. And and it even occurred to me way back then, uh, you know, I'm reading the comics. It's a Sunday paper, right? Gee, how do you make the comics accessible uh, with words? You can't just read the lines. Well, just obviously you had to take a crack at describing the images, but there was no formal uh, standards. There was no, nobody had really thought about how does one do that most effectively? Well, about 10 years in, in 1980, um, Margaret and a blind man, Chet Avery, were on a committee at Arena Stage here in Washington. They were so excited. The arena uh, was so excited about having installed an assisted listening system for people who don't hear so well. And that was great. Now it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous. But uh, Margaret and Chet kind of wondered, well, if that's all done with a microphone on the stage, couldn't someone hold a microphone off stage, describe critical bits of action, what things look like, etc., and and just use the, the pauses between bits and pieces of dialogue or critical sound elements. And, and uh, that person would be off stage, but could use the same equipment, except the blind person would, would get a receiver and, and s- switch the channel so they hear description, not just a boosting of sound. Arena, to their credit, said, let's go for it. Uh, how would we do this? Well, Margaret came back to the Washington ear and got three or four of us together. I was already there, of course, and uh, had the, the kind of background that she was looking for. And um, we hammered this thing out and called it Audio Description, uh, premiered it in 1981 in the summer of 1981 with uh, uh, Major Barbara by Shaw at Arena Stage. And it, it really was quite a success. It, it started, uh, people started picking up on it, hearing about it. And one of the folks that heard about it was at WGBH in Boston, uh, a man named Barry Cronin, who's still with us, um, great guy. You know, he wondered, how could we do this for television? We actually, at the ear, thought, well, maybe we could use the, the broadcast frequency we use, the FM frequency we use to read newspapers, and, and then just, just start it when uh, a, a, a television show comes on and people listen to the television show and listen to the radio and, and would that work? And it didn't work. It, it, the latency and all kinds of transmission problems. But Barry knew that television had a secondary audio program channel originally there for Spanish translation. And it's still used for Spanish translation. He thought, you know, that channel could be used for description. 
And that was key. That was that really was the answer. WGBH and public broadcasting began doing description in about 1985, 87. In fact, we did the pilot for them. I wrote and voiced three of the first programs ever described on public television, on any kind of television. And it went on from there. Uh, and they actually, WGBH, uh, ran with it. They developed something called the Descriptive Video Service uh, for programs on television, DVS, and then later for movies as well. So that's where DVS comes from. They were first out of the, the gate doing this in media. So people still think about DVS and use that acronym, but that's really is that it's actually a copyrighted name that GBH, that's what they call what they do with audio description. So I remember going to uh, AC, uh, American Council of the Blind conventions and yeah. going to the exhibit booth in the 90s. And I would often hear this racket hear <laughs> all over the all over the exhibit hall and wonder what in the world is that? And uh, what it was was uh, uh, that, that Boston uh, uh, yeah. station sort of talking yeah. about what they were doing. And so you'd wander up there and you'd hear you know, a bunch of racket, including, and then at, at the right moment, a description of what was going on. It was very cool. And yeah. I thought, wow, this is, this is really, uh, I, I, you know, well, I'd never heard of this before. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It was in yeah. uh, the early nineties yeah. and GBH doesn't do, you know, they used to actually produce description on VHS tapes. Remember those, uh, they were, that's where you could find a VHS tape was always through WGBH and they discontinued that a long time ago the tapes are still around if if you're you know interested to get hold of yeah yeah exactly uh they're a little hard to get hold of if you don't already have them but um uh and nowadays then you know of course everything went to dvd and um uh, we probably on the audio description project website of the american council of the blind an initiative i founded with acb about 12 years ago uh we have uh, our website is probably the most uh, what visible if you will well, uh, the thing that we do, and you can go there and find uh, upwards of 7,000 titles that are either available on DVD or on streaming services that all have description. So um, that's actually a neat thing because you, you can go to that website and find out what's on broadcast television right now with description. What, what uh, theaters in uh, what performing arts theaters uh, in your community have description? What museums? So this might be a good time for me to just mention the website because uh, if your if your folks listening don't know about it, they should they should take a look at https colon slash slash adp.acb.org. So adp adp stands for what? Audio description project. All right. So adp uh, slash uh, no, dot. dot. Dot yep. acb.org, right? Exactly. Okay. That'll so, Joe, Joe, I'd like to fill in the blanks a little bit. So, sure. how did this project evolve to the point where, as you were talking about, you know, VCR tapes and DVDs and movies and everything else that's audio described nowadays? What was the process which evolved from WGBH? to making it available more publicly. How well, did that happen? Sure, sure. Well, uh, as I say, the movie theaters uh, began to realize their obligation under the ADA 
And so the tracks became more available if they were going to produce it for the theater. Well, they should have it on the DVD. Didn't always happen. They should have it available for the streaming uh, service as well. Um, and, and as that began to bubble more and more, as more performing arts spaces, as more museums um, began offering description, it occurred to us in about 2010, um, which, by the way, is the year when uh, President Obama signed the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, which for the first time mandates by law audio description on broadcast television. It's still a teeny tiny amount compared to what's available in the UK, but we're working on that. We hope that's going to increase a great deal over the years. But it was 2010 when um, uh, I worked with the American Council of the Blind and we thought, you know, there should be an initiative that promotes description, that gets the word out. And from that, came our audio description project with the website and we have uh, audio description awards where we recognize the finest in description. We have conferences on description. We have two training institutes a year where we train upcoming uh, up and coming audio describers. Uh, we've had 19 of those institutes uh, to date. Um, and we have a contest. This is, this is fun, Bob and, and Peter. We have a contest for blind kids who write reviews of audio described material. And, and we gather them and we have a panel that looks at them and we give prizes to the best ones, uh, to the kids that write the reviews as well as their teachers. Um, so it's called BADI, B-A-D-I-E, Benefits of Audio Description in Education. So that's a lot of fun, I really enjoy that. So what makes for a good audio description? Ah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that's a topic that's near and dear to my heart because uh, ACB published in 2014 my book, The Visual Made Verbal, uh, which is available in Braille. It's uh, on Bard. It's um, it, it's an audiobook from the Library of Congress, and it's in multiple languages now, six different languages around the world. Uh, but you know, the book really goes through step by step what's involved, and I. I kind of boil it down to four areas, fundamentals, where first we talk about the process of observation. Um, you know, people who see, they don't observe. They don't really look at all the things that are available to them through their eyes. There's so much that we see. Um, and people don't take advantage of it. Helen Keller even wrote about it, talking about how sighted folks still see everything hazily and without much concentration. It's so true. And describers, though, have to build up their skills at observation. Then, uh, ironically, we, we have to edit. We have to identify the key visual elements. So oftentimes, description is about what not to describe. Because as I mentioned earlier, there's only a few precious seconds generally speaking, with traditional audio description, where you're sandwiching in a, a word or two or a short sentence in between bits and pieces of dialogue or critical sound elements. So you have to cull from what you see what's most critical to an understanding, he points to his head, and an appreciation, his hand is on his heart, of the image. So, and I think that makes for better description too, because we get we get at the essence of things. 
The third fundamental is language. What, you know, a good describer has to have a facility with language, with literacy, with vocabulary, because um, you need to find words that are vivid, that are succinct, that are imaginative, for instance, to, um, to convey the visual image. Uh, for instance, just in that little color of paradise sequence at the very end, Muhammad wiggles his finger like a worm. Well, there's no worm there, but uh, an audio descri describer is trained to see the invisible, actually to imaginatively invoke the image of something that's not there in order to help people see what is there, what he's doing with his finger. Right, because sighted viewers do that th themselves. Sure, sure. And then, and and we try to do it. Um, I think this is important. We try to do it as objectively as possible. Um, you know, sighted folks, they go to the movie, they want to experience the movie, and they hear and they see and they make their own judgments. Well, as a describer, we're we're there to describe, not explain. We're not there to to kind of steer you to one image or one idea that, or one. Uh, interpretation that we might have as individuals. So we try to be objective. Um, and then finally, uh, vocal skills. It's all 99% of audio description is, is voiced aloud. And so uh, there, there are skills there that have to be mastered, uh, skills in simple, simple speech skills like pronunciation, articulation, enunciation, breath control, and then oral interpretation skills um, there, there are so many ways that we can make meaning with our voices, and we have to know how to do that. Whether or not the, the writer of the description is the voicer, which is not usually what happens with movies, but with theater, it's almost always that way. The writer of the description voices it. And one little, one quick little um, uh, exercise I do with folks on this, uh, I, I put on the screen the statement, Woman without her man is a savage. What do you think about that, Bob? A woman without her man is a savage. <laughs> mm, I haven't really given that much thought to <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you better not. Your, your lady friends or your, your, your female listeners will, will hit you over the head. So what I tell well, people... First of all, I'm married, so... Ah, there you go. Well, your wife's going to hit you over the head. But So I simply tell people, look... If you don't agree with that, woman without her man is a savage. Just say those words back to me. Don't change any words. Don't take any away. Don't rearrange them. Say those words aloud in a way that makes it mean the opposite. Okay, can you do that, Bob? <laughs> woman without her man is a savage. Make it mean the opposite. Uh, woman without a man is not a savage. Oh, no. uh, I added a word. You <laughs> a woman without a man is a savage. No, that's that's well, that's, that's it's that's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it is. It's hard to it, do. It's really a matter of with, yeah, your, I don't know. Voice, with your voice, including uh, the punctuation that would make it mean something else. So it ends up coming out woman without her, man is a yeah, savage. savage. But, um, oh, I see what you've done. That's very <laughs> clever. I like that, Joel. There you go. I'm sure your wife likes it, too. She I did. hope so. No, yeah. that was great. That was very cleverly done. Well, because, because yeah, because you're, you're trying to convey that, that a different message than 
that you that you might not agree with that statement, but you but not changing the the words or, exactly. or the order of the words. Just just using your voice. Yeah, just and that that's yeah, that's that's hard to do. So, Joel, I, I wanted to share an example of of uh, what what you were talking about. I don't even remember this, but we we did an interview uh, with you uh, as part of the Friends and Art podcast. Oh, sure, yes, and, of course. And during the course of the interview, my guide dog got up. And started uh, wagging his tail and <laughs> bumping me, bumping, bumping me with with uh, uh, his head, a big head, you know, eighty five pound black lab, oh, and, and 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 stretching and bouncing with his paws and just being a general nuisance. And so we were, uh, we were, you know, and so in the middle of all this, I said to you, hey, uh, Joel, uh, and I, I sort of sort of talked about some of this and said, the bottom line is. My dog is hungry. He wants his food. And your comment to me, which was, was really smart, which is if you were audio describing this, you wouldn't say that. You would just describe the uh, what, what the dog was doing That's and right. leave it to the audience to infer what, what it meant. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you see a person who's crying, uh, I think you would be not a very good describer to say that she's sad. Right. Because it, it may very well be that she won the lottery today. And she is just, those are tears of joy, basically. So we have to, we have to think that through. And that's, that's not easy because you, you don't want to lead the witness, if you will, right. You, you, you want to let the person come, the, the, the viewer come come up with his or her own conclusions. That's right. That's right. You know, Joel, I'll add a little humor. She still might be sad if she felt she didn't win enough. (laughs) Oh, There, there, there you go. A greedy lottery winner. A, a greedy lottery winner. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so you're listening to In Perspective. My name is Peter Altschul, uh, and Bob Ranko is the host. We're listening to Joel Snyder, PhD, talking about audio description. And uh, this might be a good time, Ray, to make your little song and dance about uh, raising your hand and uh, 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 and uh, unmuting yourself. Sure. Okay, so for raising hands, it is Alt-Y on PC, Option-Y on Mac, Star-9 on telephone, and under the More tab on smartphones. And then for uh, unmuting, it is Alt-A on PC, Command-Shift-A on Mac, Star-6 on telephone, on the lower left on smartphones. And do we have any uh, raised hands, Ray? It's time for you to auto-describe. Um, not nothing yet. Okay, well, let us know. I was wrong, Chris. You're up first. All right, hello, Chris. You're on the air. Hello, yes. Um, I'm I have a question, and that is, how in the world can it be possible to? to really audio describe the kind of fast-paced comedy that you might find on Saturday Night Live or something. Oh, absolutely. That's a challenge. I mean, there are different kinds of challenges involved in audio description. Um, what, What we learn how to make the use of literally a split second when a word can be inserted or, or just a couple of words, a phrase, either before something funny happens or immediately afterwards, preferably right before it happens. Um, If you listen to a a soundtrack, 
um, you know, you, you'll you'll understand, uh, you know, sitcom, for instance. Boy, it seems like it's going boom, 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 a mile a minute. But there are those pauses because they're they're speaking as though they're people living. They are. And you can use those pauses to make um, just at least enough to to provide what's happening, the action in particular. Um, there oftentimes, you know, in, in live theater, there, there isn't often uh, time to do a full description of what the costumes are and what the scenery is about. And so we, we, we combine all of that in a pre-show uh, 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 description that plays for about 10, 15 minutes before the show. And, and I think more TV shows with websites and films with websites are beginning to do that. Uh, have we call it enhanced description and um, make that accessible to you so that you're you're okay with not not having all of that during the show because sometimes it just isn't available. But on the other hand, you know if you have a sequence like Color of Paradise, two and a half minutes of no dialogue at all, um, that's a different kind of challenge because you don't want to fill up all that space. There's a soundtrack and you want that to. You want that to be there. We want to weave the descriptive language around the film's sound elements. Well, it looks like both the describer and the blind listener really have to sharpen our ears. Yes, yes that's right. <laughs> All right. Oh, you're, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. And, and actually, that goes for sighted people, too, because I, I oftentimes say description is great for folks who are blind. But for sighted people who want to be in the kitchen making a sandwich while the TV is on in the living room, you don't miss a beat. Mm -hmm. And uh, because you can't see, not because you're blind, you're just in the wrong room. So I'm hoping that this will pick up more and more. A lot of sighted people have begun to acknowledge uh, when description is done well, it's not obtrusive. It doesn't get right. in the way, you know. And so I'm hoping that even some point we'll have audio movies, which are simply the soundtrack of a film with the audio description. Sighted people could use it when they're driving their car or they're, they're at the gym or what have you. And right. uh, that would make that I think that would be good for description, just making it more available at large. Thank you. That's you very educational. Thanks Thank a lot. Thank you, Chris. We appreciate right. your comments. Uh, next up, we have Pastor Bill. Pastor Bill. Pastor Bill. Hello there. Just wanted there you are. To, uh, hi. Just wanted right. to in, just, good. Just wanted to insert here that Paramount mm -hmm. Plus is doing a fabulous job with audio description. Uh, the newest Star Trek series that they're doing, the last two, That's the right. card as well as um, Small New Worlds, they they are uh, doing fabulous on the audio description. Oh, just yeah. wanted to insert that. You're right. And and once again, people can clue into what is described and how to access it at adp.acb.org. We've got lots of information there on, especially with regard to description on media. So we track all of those Paramount films and Amazon films and Apple, et cetera. Thank you, Pastor. Yep. Uh, Ray. There is nobody else at this time. Okay, that's great. Well, if somebody does raise their hand, I'd scratch that. Deanna, you are up ah, next. Okay. Oh, there's Deanna. 
Hey, Deanna. Hey, Joel. Hey, Bob and Peter. Um, I think one of the exciting things about audio description is there are some films that you absolutely would not get at all if you didn't have audio description. And the ones right. I'm thinking of would be Sixth Sense with the little boy, as yeah. he puts it, seeing dead people <laughs> and um, Beautiful Mind, where the guy is hallucinating a lot yes. of the movie. And if you didn't have the audio description, you wouldn't know what was going on. You're absolutely right, Deanna. And, and you know, in my personal feeling is that some of the best movies are the most visual. They they are not so dependent on a written script as much as uh, not. In other words, not telling you, showing you what uh, their their point is, and that's what that's good description. Like some that. westerns. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they're going to be those interludes where there's no dialogue because the filmmaker is luxuriating in the images and what he's doing with the camera and such. And it's our job to make that available to you. Um, and, and you're right. And without description, uh, it's not going to be easy for you. Yeah, th thank you, Deanna. I wanted to ask, uh, uh, as, as we're recording this, we, we've just sort of come out of another horrible shooting in, in a small Texas yes. town. And um, there's a lot of talk uh, in the media about how explicit to make the violence, how yeah. graphic the, the images should be. When when they're describing things, how graphic to describe it, uh, and that's that's a big topic of discussion being uh, among media folks. And it, it got me to thinking: How do you deal with that kind of thing when you're dealing with violence? Right? You, you, um, how do you create that balance between, uh, you know, uh, you know, not being too graphic and not being graphic enough? How do you make those kinds of calls? That's a good question, and it applies not just to violence. Yeah. Uh, it can apply to nudity, yeah. sexual situations, uh, different kinds of uh, controversial topics, if you will. Um, we have to make a judgment. We try to take our clue from the work of art itself. We are in service to the people listening and to the, pe the people or the, the images that we are describing, the artwork that we're describing. And how do they deal with what kinds of language do they use? to convey, to talk about what's happening. We try to match that kind of language. Um, we, we, I, I, I believe firmly that anything that's available to a sighted audience must be available, should be available to an audience of folks who are blind. So, uh, but you do that with language and you do it with a certain amount of judgment and tact so that, um, uh, and, and in a way that matches the uh, aesthetic, if you will, of the filmmaker in the case of film. Um, it's, it's a tricky thing, and um, we have to think about that a great deal. Uh, it takes a good bit of time to develop an audio description script for a television show, a film in particular, um, and, and we, it should take a lot of time. It takes time to come up with just the right language. You know, so uh, a half hour show can take a full day for one description writer to come up with the draft script. Um, it, it, it really is quite demanding. So talk a little more about how that works. So uh, I'm a writer and I um, am contracted out to write the, the script. 
talk about the process that, uh, and you've done this a lot, obviously. Sure. The process by which the writer goes through to make these calls and to write the script. You talked about it a little before, but if there's anything more you'd like to talk about, sure. I think it's a fascinating uh, uh, thing. Well, it begins with, um, I'll, I'll focus on media right now because, because that's get reaches out there by far the, the, has the greatest reach. We, we begins with a copy of the film, the video, we refer to description and captioning and subtitles and dubbing as post-production activity. We have the final product. And of course the producer is eager to get it out there in the air. So they send us something and they want the description back yesterday, which is not possible. <laughs> we take as much time as we need, or we are allowed to look carefully at the film and, and analyze research, if you will, information about the visual images. We try to do it in sections. So phrases, if you will, where, where we think um, th this first minute, this next minute, whatever has is of a piece, basically. And try to find the language to describe those critical visual elements and where they'll be placed. Hopefully in pauses that are in time, fairly close to uh, when it's happening on screen. Not every description is going to be in real time. It may, it may describe something that is about to happen in a couple of seconds or, or maybe just happened. Depends on where those pauses are. Uh, this is traditional audio description. We write that script. Um, it's voiced um, by perhaps the writer, but most often a, a trained voice talent, someone who knows about audio description voicing. It then has to be edited and laid back to the original soundtrack. And we try to modulate the volume in particular of the sound, the, the, the volume of the audio description with the volume of the original soundtrack. So we're, it's a process of dipping, docking the original and bringing up the description and then vice versa. And that's a complicated process. It all has to be done fairly quickly uh, though. And, um, that's that's what we do. I will add, though, Bob, because this is really quite critical and something I speak of all the time. Audio description uh, came from blind people. And the production of audio description, I think it's essential to involve blind people uh, to a, a great extent. They, they should be as testers in the driver's seat. That's right. Uh, as as we call them sometimes uh, audio description consumer consultants or quality evaluators. Control. That's right. Quality control experts who can uh, hear the script. And, you know, is there, a, there's no reason why a blind person can't be a, an, an expert in language and vocabulary. Are there different words that, you know, do these words really create that image in the mind's eye? Blind people can be some of the best voice talents for description are folks who are blind. And some of the best audio editors uh, for description are totally blind. So it, it's really an important part of this to, to make sure, uh, you know, nothing about us without us. Yep, yep. So I, uh, Ray, uh, just checking it back with you, put on your audio description hat. Are there uh, other folks with hands raised? Not at this current time. So yes. I wanna go ahead. There was okay. somebody a minute ago, I, I, I don't know. They, Anyway, I want to, I want to ask, uh, you. Oh, go ahead, Ray. Phone number ending in 638. You were up next. That's Sorry. right. 
Phone number ending in 638. 638. Yes, this is Beth from um, New Mexico. Yeah. Hi, Beth. And so uh, a person, a visually impaired person, could get a job with the audio description project. Well, it's not so much the project. The audio description project of ACB, we don't produce description. We There are a couple of special... No, I, no, I understand that, but right. I mean, yeah, like for testing and stuff like that. That's you right. know what I mean? That's right. Absolutely. Um, yes, uh, the better uh, audio description providers, uh, in my humble opinion, around the country, uh, do employ uh, people who are blind, oftentimes as a freelancer, maybe not full-time employment, but there is full-time employment for, for folks who are voicing description, for folks that are audio editors, uh, for consultants uh, to kind of review the scripts. Um, it, it, it could be full-time. It's it probably as often as not uh, a freelance work, but it is possible, absolutely. Um, and uh, I, I could certainly, uh, let me mention my own email address if you want more information uh, about that, and I can refer you to some companies. Uh, okay. Send me, yeah, send me a note at yeah, Jay Snyder, J-S-N-Y-D-E-R, at acb.org. So that's I'm interested Jay. also, Joe. Oh, okay. Sure. Jay Snyder, J-S-N-Y-D-E-R, at acb.org. Exactly. Terrific. Th- thank you, Beth. Um, Ray, other folks? Thank you. Around? Wow. Ray? There is no one else. All right. I wanted, to, I wanted to go back to something we talked about earlier, Joe, about this idea of universal design. In, in this case, where something that's, that's made for us, hopefully with us, uh, is, is, is also of, of great value to folks who are, who are sighted. Um, you've, you've, you've talked about it a little bit. How, how's that worked out in sort of real life? Have you, you've concrete examples of how that's actually played itself out? Well, you know, what I hear from, uh, oftentimes it's sighted folks who might be family members of somebody who's blind. Um, they, uh, they want their family member to experience a television show, what have you with them, with the whole family. So the description is on and the sighted person oftentimes finds that the description helps point them to things that they wouldn't necessarily notice. Sighted people see, once again, but they don't observe. And so they find that it's a richer experience. Now, I will say, though, it's only when the description is done well, when it's done sparingly, when it's done succinctly, we don't want to get in the way. You know, nobody goes, no blind person goes to a movie theater to hear the audio description. They're there to experience the movie. And we don't want to get in the way of the movie. The same with a sighted person listening to description. They don't want to be distracted by it. They want to let, we want to let the sounds come through. We want to let everybody have silence just to kind of grasp what has been said in the movie or what has been said in the description track. I think all of that is key to getting more sighted people uh, on board with audio description. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by something that you said more than once throughout the program that sighted people do not observe. Could you explain further what's meant by that? Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, I mean, and that's true of all of us, myself included, uh, really, you know, how, how often does a sighted person go to a movie 
and they like it, you know, and that's really great. I'm going to go back and see that again. And, oh, I didn't notice that, you know, whoa, okay. Now I noticed it because I watched it a second time or I heard it in the description. Sometimes in training, I will describe a cartoon uh, and part of the cartoon is about a, a, a guy, he's kneeling on a stage and he's got something coming out of his head. I mean, honestly, to a sighted person, the way it's drawn, it looks like he has an ax in his head. Well, had you been listening to the description, you would know it's just a feathered cap. <laughs> you know, and, and what he's wearing, he's wearing a doublet. It's hard to tell what that is. And, and by the way, you know, um, in a movie theater or, or, or in a presentation, a live presentation, sighted people that are way in the back of the room, well, they're, they're not going to be able to see real well. Uh, so description's good for them. Description's good for people. It's been shown to be an assist in um, for folks who are, have learning disabilities, people that are learning uh, English for the first time, in, in the case of English, of course, um, people who are on the autism spectrum. Uh, audio description is, uh, it, it's a, it's, it, it has been shown to be a boost for literacy for blind kids, but really for all kids. Yeah. So that if, if uh, I oftentimes use the example of showing a picture book and there's a picture of a ball and, and the, the text is see the ball. Well, hopefully the teacher who's trained in description doesn't simply turn the page and go to the next image. No, they might spend a moment and say, you know, that ball is red, just like a fire engine. I think it's as big as you are. It's as round as the sun, like a, a big circle or sphere. Now, just a few words there. Suddenly, all of the kids hear synonyms. They hear different vocabulary. They hear a simile, even. And I think that builds literacy for, for everybody. Your, your comment reminded me, Joel, about how we blind people do the same thing. We hear, but we often don't listen, right? And, <laughs> and, and, and part and part of what happens, uh, and there, at this it applies in a number of settings. But the example that comes to mind immediately is mobility, right? You know, you 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 know, you're listening to all kinds, you're hearing all kinds of sounds, but listening implies putting it into context and 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 figuring out how you can best use it to your advantage, uh, and and really focus. On things, and of course, those of us who do counseling, or who do, or who are therapists, or who are working with groups, it's the same basic concept. You're listening for certain cues, you're hearing, but you're also hopefully listening deeply, so you can help folks deal with whatever the issues they're trying to address. That's right. It's the same basic concept. It really is. You're right. The same basic concept. Sure. So, um, uh, yeah. So, um, and I really like your example of you know, uh, teachers using this for different learning styles, you know, so, so right. yeah. And yeah, so this all has all kinds of potential, not just for this, uh, uh, vision impaired people, but for everybody. I, th sure. I think, I think, and I think that's, a, you said that before, I think that's a really important concept in selling this. Sure. And we have about two minutes, gentlemen. So before, uh, before you go, can you briefly talk about what your plans are for the future? What what oh, are the challenges and what what do you what are you planning for the next two or three years down the road? <laughs> well, you know, as I mentioned, the app I think will prove to be a real uh, game changer with regard to access to description. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road. Uh, you know, I've been I do one or two presentations a week, all virtually over the last two years. But uh, 
Um, I enjoy not so much the process of getting to places, but meeting uh, folks around the world and and helping to spread the word about descriptions. So hopefully there'll be more of that. I'm working closely with the World Blind Union. We did a survey of description around the world, and they co-published my book in Spanish, actually. So um, they're they're a great organization as well, and ACB is a part of that. So... um, Ah, uh, you know, I think it's all going to grow. I'm, I'm hoping that there will be an addendum or an amendment to the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act that will actually mandate an increase every year in the percentage of description being offered on broadcast television. That's why we have captioning at 100% now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're grateful so, for that, believe what, me. What, so what other milestones are you hoping for over the next couple of years? Well, that, that, that's a big one. The CVAA yeah. right there is something that, and I've been on a couple of committees with the Federal Communications Commission, uh, folks connected to the uh, Audio Description Project, or uh, Carl Richardson is our uh, our co-director, co, uh, co-chair of the steering committee, and he's on those committees as well now, and um, he's pushing hard to see that um, uh, those kinds of rules can be broadened and enforce it will take some congressional action so that's uh, something else again we need to do more to you know get people to contact their representatives well, well keep up the good work joel oh, you've, you've offered you offered quite a lot you still are we're very grateful to the service that is offered to us it makes life a lot more accessible when we want to listen to television or go to the movies we appreciate your time and your your energy uh, frankly thanks bob Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Randall. Next week on In Perspective, our guest will be a return guest, Peggy Chung, the blind history lady. She always has a lot of stories to tell about blind women and blind men in history. And we'll be happy to have Peggy back on In Perspective at that time. I do want to say hello to three listeners, Dennis Polselli, Nancy Hart, and Betty LaGrange. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Peter, Ray, as always, thank you as well for making In Perspective a quality show. For everybody, go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a safe Memorial Day weekend, and bye for now.